Good morning. I am very grateful to have the opportunity to share this morning and to preach from God's Word. Uh, today is a little bit different because normally when I have this privilege, uh, normally Craig is not here. Uh, a little more pressure today. Um, you know, I, I may not have a job after today because he doesn't ever know if I did a good job or a bad job. Uh, so uh, today uh, he will know. Uh, but we are grateful for the privilege to be able to, to stand in this pulpit and to uh, break the bread of life for this people. Um, I want to take a personal liberty and I want to update you on my dad. Uh, some of you know uh, that my dad, who my, uh, my dad Paul Williams and my mom Jenny Williams are members here, uh, has not been able to be here since uh, before Christmas. And uh, he was uh, diagnosed uh, about 10 days ago uh, with uh, Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. And he began his first treatment uh, in the hospital on Good Friday. Uh, we were blessed that he was able to come home uh, Easter Sunday afternoon. Uh, he was able to be back home and he has uh, gained some strength since that time. And I know uh, so many of you have, have showed your concern, you've asked about them, you've sent them cards, you've been so gracious to them. And, and I just want to say thank you. I want you to know how much they appreciate it. I want you to know how much they love their church family. Uh, they typically attend the first service and the first Sunday school uh, time that we have at 8.30 also. Uh, but just know uh, how much we as a family appreciate your prayers. And as he continues his treatments, he will have his next treatment next Friday. And so uh, we know it will be a journey, but we are grateful for your prayers and grateful for God's faithfulness. Now take your Bibles and we are going to begin looking this morning at Acts. We are not going to be in Mark. I know that is a detour that for some of you is going to be challenging. Uh, but I will assure you next week, never fear, we will be back in, uh, in Mark. And all will be right at Ivy Creek next Sunday. Uh, but today, uh, there is another book in the Bible. There's 65 others. And so we're going to look at one of those other 65 books. We're going to look at Acts beginning with chapter 11, but also put a finger there and flip over to Acts chapter 4 because we're going to start there and we will uh, end up in a few minutes over at Acts chapter 11. Most of you growing up probably had nicknames that were given to you by someone. Uh, you might have had a couple of them. And uh, some of them might even be able to sh be shared in this company. But uh, there were different nicknames that we have and we give one another and uh, I, when we first had our, uh, our first child, our son, uh, that was something that was just important to me. It was to, to come up with a nickname and, uh, and I did that with all three of the children. I don't know that as they've gotten to be teenagers that they care for that very much. I, I still like it a lot. And uh, if, uh, if you want to know those, you can ask them and if they want to share them, they can share them. Uh, I will leave that up to them. But, uh, it, you know, it's amazing what happens with nicknames. Sometimes nicknames just stick. They become so synonymous with that person that we don't even know what their given name is. There are people in this community that are just that way. I, I have no idea what their given name is. I just know them by their nickname. And that's what they are just affectionately referred to and called. And that's what they, they go by. 
And, um, you know, it's, that's also the case oftentimes in the sports world. And uh, even if you are not uh, an avid fan or have very little affinity towards sports, when I say the name Larry, there's a lot of Larrys that played various sports. But when I say Chipper, there was only one, number 10. Or if I say George, there's a lot of Georges that have played, but there was only one, Babe. Or for you basketball fans, if I say Irvin, there was only one Magic. Or as it's Masters weekend, you know, there's been a lot of fields that have played at Augusta, but there's only one lefty. And then, you know, Eldrick just doesn't have the same ring as Tiger. And some names, nicknames, just become synonymous with that person. And they almost take on a life of their own uh, for that individual. For the next few minutes, we're going to look at the life of an individual that, frankly, I would dare say there's very few of us in this congregation who have ever referred to this individual by their given name. His name was Joseph, but not Joseph, the son of Jacob, not Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 introduces us to a different Joseph. Your first thing there on your outline is, who was this Joseph? Well, let's look at Acts chapter 4, verse 36. And it says, And Joseph, who was also named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated son of encouragement, a Levite of the country of Cyprus, having land sold it and brought, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This Joseph... This Joseph was the son of encouragement, better known as Barnabas. As your outline says, he was BKA. I didn't think better known as would fit on there, so we just shortened it down to BKA. Some of you will get that later on this afternoon and it'll all make sense. But, uh, but Joseph, he was known as Barnabas. It was actually the apostles the apostles of the early church were the ones who actually gave him the name Barnabas, son of encouragement, as they saw what his spirit, what his character, what his personality was. As I've studied the life of Barnabas over the past few weeks, it, it seems like we could almost just refer to him as Barney. He was just, he, he had that realness about him, a, just a very genuine, very easy to relate to him as you read about his life as it is chronicled through the book of Acts. He was a kind gentleman. He was the kind of guy that, frankly, you wanted him on your team. You wanted a Barnabas as your close friend. That is what becomes very apparent as we look into the life and over the next few minutes, I hope that is what you see. And I hope that you and I both can learn from this example and as we see Christ shining through his life. In the passage from Acts chapter 4, we learn that Barnabas was a Jew. He was a Levite. 
and therefore his heritage, his legacy was that he, his family had grown up serving in the temple court. So he had a, had a, a heritage and a legacy of service and of formal religion. But he was somewhat of a foreigner, as a, even though he was a Jew. He grew up living on the island of Cyprus. It's about 100 miles off the coast in the Mediterranean. And as a result of living there, he lived in a different bubble, in a different environment. He lived around Greek-speaking Gentiles. That was folks that he rubbed up against every day. That was folks that he was influenced by. Those were his, that was his community, and it was those that impacted him and became part of his uh, family and, and part of his friends and that circle. That's going to be important as we get over farther into the book of Acts and as we see God using where he had grown up in the culture that he had been, that he was uh, was uh, in and that he came from, it will be important how God uses that in his ministry and for the kingdom as we'll look at in just a few minutes. So first of all, he was a Levite. But next what we see in this verse from chapter 4 is that he was generous. We're told that he sold a field and, or, and he brought all the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The early church was in really an amazing state at this time. It was a time of great unity. It was a time of faith and it just of the church growing rapidly. And it was an amazing and dynamic time for the early church. If there was a need in the church, the church met that need. And we see this oneness that was occurring that is supernatural. And we see in the life of Barnabas this occurring. But we also see that this was not the case with everyone in the church because if we go over just to the first part of chapter 5, we see a great contrast to the generosity of Barnabas. We see here also the life of Ananias and Sapphira. And we see they also owned a field and they sold it. They brought it to monies and laid it before the apostles. The apostles said, is this all? They said, absolutely. Ananias first. But it was not. We see the picture of greed. We see the deception. And ultimately, we also see great judgment that occurs in their lives and that we see that was present there in the early church as both Ananias and Sapphira are struck dead there as they are offering their offering that uh, was not genuine, was not truthful, and was layered with deceit and deception. One pastor told those who were coming for counseling, he would ask them as they would uh, call and say, I'd like to come in and speak with you. I need instruction and guidance in my life. He'd tell them, I need you to do something for me. When you come in, I need you to bring your checkbook. And they're like, Pastor, have you started charging for counseling? I said, absolutely not. So this is a service of the church. So why do you need my checkbook? He said, it's as we look at your checkbook that we'll be able to see where your heart is. 
And there's great truth in that, that when we look, and for us, it's probably a bank statement online somewhere. Uh, we, most of us don't care a checkbook. But when we look at that, we really get a good idea of where our hearts are, of what's important to us. What we see in Barnabas's life is we see that generosity was important to him as a priority, and he lived it out there as a leader in the early church. Now I want you to take and turn back over to Acts chapter 11, where, we had, where you had placed a finger, and we're going to begin there reading of another account in the life of Barnabas. Acts 11, beginning with verse 19, and we're going to read through, six, uh, through 26. Now those who were scattered after the persecution that arose over Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, preaching the word to no one but the Jews only. But some of them were men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who, when they had come to Antioch, spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed and turned to the Lord. Then news of these things came to the ears of the church in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. When he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all that with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord, for he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith, and a great many people were added to the Lord. Then Barnabas departed for Tarshish to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, as we come to your word, and Father, as we are challenged by those that have gone before us, Father, those who have ran the race well, Father, that we have seen the mind, heart, and life of Christ lived out in, and they have done it in good fashion. I pray, Father, that we would be challenged this morning. I pray we would be encouraged. And Father, I pray that as a result of it, Father, it would impact how we conduct ourselves day in and day out. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. As we come and we look at this passage and we see another example in the life of Barnabas, we see that this was much more than just a name. Following the stoning of Stephen that occurred there in Jerusalem, the Jewish Christians were dispersed. They were scattered throughout Palestine. As a result of this, in God's sovereign grace and providence, they are scattered out, and as a result, the gospel message is shared across the area of Palestine. And they become essentially missionaries that are going out preaching the gospel and evangelizing the area. So it happens in Antioch. And as they come, they are preaching only to the Jews. But there are some Jewish Christians who come from a place called Cyprus. 
should sound familiar. The place that Barnabas is from, influenced by the Greek Gentiles, they come to Antioch. Antioch being the third largest city in the Roman Empire, who's a very important center of trade and commerce, very diverse in not only economics, but also in culture. As they come to Antioch and they begin, they start preaching to the Hellenists, the Greek-speaking Gentiles that were there in Antioch. And God's hand moves in a mighty way. Conversion is occurring. Lives are being transformed. They are responding. These Gentiles are responding to the message of the gospel. They are responding in such great fashion that word gets back to headquarters. So back in Jerusalem, at big church, word comes back that, hey, something new is happening down in Antioch. You need to come check this out. You need to see what's happening here. We need to get a full report on it. So who do they send down to see what's going on with these Gentiles that are being converted to Christ? They send Barnabas. And Barnabas comes to Antioch and we see that when he arrives and he sees all these Gentiles that are they're turning to the Lord, that are, their lives are being transformed, we see this response. He was glad. It's a very simple, and you might think, what, what else would he be? God's moving and working in a mighty way. God's moving in a mighty way that he has not moved in ever before with this message going out to the Gentiles and them being saved and them being converted in great mass. Barnabas does not come and say, wait, we, we need to hold up here. We need to assess the situation. We need to check on this. Y'all quit preaching for a few weeks. Let's get this all under control. Let's make sure this is all good with the folks back in Jerusalem. No, it says he was glad and then it says, and he encouraged them to continue with the Lord. His response was being excited and glad. You know, sometimes whenever God's working in a different way, moving in a different way than what we've seen, we need to be sure that we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that we can discern, that we can discern that it's right and that it's good, and that we can encourage in that. We have a responsibility with that. The next thing on your outline you see that we learn from this passage is that he was a good man full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Barnabas was filled with the Holy Spirit and with faith. The Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit was evident in his life. And he needed that when he came to Antioch and he saw God doing a new work, something that was different, so that he could then know this is good and that he could join in and that he could encourage in it. And we see that he was a great blessing in this. Next thing we see is he truly was an encourager. It was not just the name. It was a part of his DNA. It was a part of who he was. It was a part of his purpose in life. His purpose was to put in 
courage into the life of others, to pour in courage, if you will. The definition of encourage is to inspire with courage, spirit, or with hope. But you know, sometimes the best way to find out really what something means is to look at the opposite of it. And the opposite of encourage is discourage. And to discourage is to take away or to drain away courage. As people who love others and love one another, we should be laser focused on giving courage to one another. Every one of us in this place needs to be encouraged. We have that need for us to reach our God-given purpose and potential. We need others to come alongside of us and to pour in courage. Joshua needed that. Be strong and courageous. Don't be frightened or dismayed. For the Lord is with you. You and I need courage poured into our lives, and we need to pour courage into the lives of others. Unfortunately, in our world that is overrun by social media and everyone has a keyboard and everyone has an insanely loud voice as a result of that, we must be very, very careful because there is a great potential for discouragement in our lives. A well-known pastor tweeted this statement following the greatest personal tragedy that he had ever experienced for he and his wife as they experienced the death of their son. He tweeted this, grief is hard, Grieving as a public figure is harder, but grieving while haters celebrate your pain is the hardest. Every one of us, no matter where we ascend to in this life, need to be encouraged. And God is gracious at times to send the most simple forms of encouragement. Just this week, as I was preparing this sermon, uh, I was working, I was uh, studying, and my Bible normally has quite a bit of stuff in it. Previous Sunday bulletins, notes, little things to try to trigger my brain so that I remember things that I need to do. And as I was thumbing through and trying to clean it out so that that would not spill on the platform this morning, uh, I uh, ran across a note that was not mine, and I wondered, when did this get in here? I don't remember it being in there. And I saw on one side, it said touchdown. So that gave me a really good clue who it was from. Uh, and then below that, it had a play drawn out. It's a football play, probably one that's going to win a Super Bowl some point. And so I, I saw that, and I knew this is from Andrew. This is some of his artwork. So I flipped it over to the other side. Andrew's my youngest son, if you don't know. And uh, so I flipped it over to the other side, and there was a note on it. And it said, Dear Dad, 
um, thank you for being a leader at home and at church, and thank you for making money. Love, Andrew. And I was like, and I was like, I needed that. That was good. So I went to him and said, would you put that in there? Oh, that was Sunday. Our Sunday school teacher, that was an assignment there. And thank you, Miss Rachel. And I was, and, but we all need even the most simple of encouragements. They do us good, but we also need to guard ourselves from being sucked in to the web of discouragement, of being so quick to share truth that we do great damage to others. For you and I, encouragement's not an option. Scripture does not allow that to be the case. Scripture is replete with commands to encourage each other. Hebrews 3.13 simply says, but encourage one another. Hebrews 11.23 through 25, let us hold unswaveringly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Therefore encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. You and I are commanded to encourage each other. I realize you may be sitting there saying, I, I don't have the spirit of encouragement. I know that. That's not my personality. My friend, you have a responsibility. You have a command from God that is that we are to be an encouragement to each other. Over the next few minutes, I want to share four practical types of encouragement that we see in the life of Barnabas through the book of Acts. So the next thing you have there on your outline is types of encouragement. The first one we saw back in Acts chapter 4. In Acts chapter 4, we see Barnabas using financial encouragement. He had a field. He sold it. And what did he do? He brought all and laid it at the apostles' feet that it could be used for the good of all. Our generosity can be a great encouragement to others. You may know a missionary, a seminary student, a young family who you have the ability to encourage by meeting one of their financial needs. Yesterday, our family of five had the opportunity to be all together. That's unique on a Saturday. It's a real blessing for our family. But we were all together, and we had an opportunity to go spend a few hours yesterday around lunch with a special guy. It's a guy named Zachariah. And Zachariah, we first came to know Zachariah about three or four years ago. He became our sponsor child through Helping Hands Foreign Missions. And... Uh, 
he was, we knew when we sponsored him that we had the, the potential that we might get to meet him at some point because Zachariah lives in Uganda. But he had been selected to be on the Helping Hands Choir uh, trip that was coming to the U.S. two years ago. And it was during that time that we first got to meet him and that we got to see his big smile and he instantaneously, he had seen pictures of us and he just knew us. He would pick us out of a crowd and you know he was one of about 40 kids and we're going, I think that might be ours and we're not sure. But he came and just had this huge smile. We, we had gotten to spend a day with him back a couple years ago, but then yesterday was our opportunity to do that again. And we had a tremendous time of having lunch and playing games and playing checkers and connect four and getting beat and all those fun things. It was a joy. But what we experienced was we saw a young man that God has graciously allowed our family to be connected to by his sovereignty and his providence who lives a world away that by a small gift each month that we could have an impact on him being able to hear the gospel, receive a Christian education, experience adventures and opportunities that he could have never imagined, and then to hear him say, what can we pray for you about, Zechariah? He'll say, pray for my family, pray for my brothers and sisters and my aunts and uncles and cousins back in Uganda. And my wife, Tracy, said, do you miss them? He said, yes, I do. I miss them. And he'll be going back home in the first part of June to be with them. But when he goes back, he's also going to have a place there that is a place that he can get food and meals and where he gets an education and where he gets clothes and where people love and care for him and his family. And that's a great blessing when we have that opportunity to, just in a small way to be that encouragement but also it builds up our faith when that happens to us when others are that financial encourager to us and that's our prayer for Zachariah's life that it will be changed for eternity and for generations because he has seen God work on his behalf using people that he could have never imagined meeting that are a world away. The next form or the next type of encouragement is endorsement or sponsorship. The encouragement of endorsement and sponsorship. Barnabas had an amazing opportunity to do this. In Acts chapter 9, you may remember the story, Saul has been converted. And Saul preaches in Damascus, but he wants to go to Jerusalem and he wants to see the apostles. Well, let's just say the apostles were not overly excited to see him come. And as he arrives in Jerusalem, they're not at all pleased to give him an audience. They are scared and concerned he has been a part of the death of Stephen, their good friend, and he has persecuted uh, many of their other uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. So it is not going well for Paul 
to get an audience with the apostles. But in verse 27, it says this of chapter 9, But Barnabas, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road, and that he had spoken to him, and how he had, had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. So he was with them at Jerusalem, coming in and going out. But Barnabas, but Barnabas took him. Barnabas didn't draw him a map. Barnabas didn't send him with a letter. Barnabas took him. So often, you and I, we need to take someone. We need to get them by the hand and we need to take them. Oftentimes in this place, we have so many new faces and folks that come in. This can be an intimidating place to come into. I know we're loving. Y'all are great people. But sometimes coming in here for someone that's new, it can be intimidating. When you see those, be intentional and take them. Say, you can sit with me. Is this your first time? Come sit with me. I know y'all do a great job. Be encouraged in that. Be intentional in that. I had lunch with one of my friends the other day. We were having the opportunity to sit and talk over a sandwich, and he told me a story. He is one of the leaders of their greeters at their church. They call them door holders there. But he was telling me about one individual that he had met about three years before. He had met him as he come in the door and asked him his name, found out he was in college. He took him in large auditorium, took him down front to where the college section was, introduced him to his son and said, hey, sit right here. Son took him and introduced him to some other folks. Didn't see him again. Three years later, they're in, um, there's a group that are meeting that are lay leaders and my friend introduces himself the guy says i know who you are you are the first person that spoke to me when i came to this church he said you introduced me to my to your son he introduced me to other college students he said that's three years ago i prayed to receive christ and he said now i do the same being intentional taking someone by the hand being a but Barnabas took him kind of person. Not drawing them out, but going, sponsoring them, endorsing them. We have opportunities to do that, that folks can reach their full potential that we speak on their behalf. We have great opportunities to do that. All the impact that Saul had for the kingdom of God, and Barnabas was a part of it, of taking Barnabas and getting him an audience with the apostles. The next type of encouragement is teamwork encouragement. The chapter 11 that we read says great work was occurring, but Barnabas realizes I need help. So who does he go to? He goes to his old friend, Saul. Saul's back in Tarsus. Saul's been there after leaving Jerusalem. He's been in Tarsus for about seven years. Barnabas goes down to Tarsus and says, Saul, come up with me. There's a great work occurring in the life of the Gentiles in Antioch. Come and help me there. Barnabas brings him up there 
and they continue to do even greater work teaching and ministering there. But then they're launched out on a missionary journey. The first one, something very interesting here happens here. We see it going from it being Barnabas and Saul to being Barnabas and Paul to then being Paul and Barnabas. Bar uh, Paul exceeds Barnabas in leadership. And Barnabas is okay with it. That's unique. It takes a special individual being filled with the Spirit of God to realize he or she can do something I cannot do. And it's best for the kingdom that they take the lead. That's, it's uncommon and unnatural. But we see that in the life of Barnabas. And it's because it was best for the kingdom, or we would say, for the team. Do not be afraid to encourage someone because they might exceed your successes. Do not. Don't allow that to hold you back. Encourage them. Speak on their behalf. Help them. Number four, the final one, second chance encouragement. Acts 15. This is not quite as a, a glowing picture in the life of Barnabas and Paul and their relationship. We see here that things, they have returned from their missionary trip, but it's time to launch out a second time. But there becomes a disagreement. It starts just as, hey, I think we ought to do this. No, I think we ought to do this. To what the Bible says became a significant disagreement, a significant dissension between the two. Paul did not want John Mark to go on the trip. Barnabas wanted John Mark to go on the trip. John Mark had abandoned them on the first missionary trip. Paul said, no, he'll do it again. I don't want him on the team. Barnabas says, he'll be fine. He's, he is not the same person he was. He'll be useful to us. Neither one would give. They ultimately part. They ultimately go on separate missionary trips. Barnabas, willing to give a second chance. Second chance encouragement. John Mark does well on that trip. John Mark ultimately is the one that we have to thank for over the past some year of studying his gospel that bears his name. Can't imagine that that would be the case if Barnabas had not encouraged him and said, hey, you're not damaged goods. You still have value. You still have work that you have to do for the kingdom. But in God's sovereignty, we see that both missionary journeys are successful. Paul and Silas experienced great success. Barnabas and John Mark experienced great success. Twice as much work, twice as much impact for the gospel as a result of 
this dissension or disagreement between two very good friends. And even Paul later comes around to talking and speaking of his great love for John Mark and his usefulness to the sharing of the gospel. We must be diligent to not allow folks' failures to be final and to encourage others and allow them to experience second chances. As we come to the sermon in the sentence, the life of Barnabas epitomizes a life devoted to others and sets a high standard of consistently seeking out avenues to encourage others so that the kingdom of God is advanced. So yes, Barnabas, it was much more than a nickname. It was a way that he lived his life and that he shared the love of Christ with others, of encouraging and building them up. This morning, we're all called to be encouragers. We're all commanded to be encouragers. But that is not our greatest need. Our greatest need is to know that God is the one who gives second chances to every one of us. And we have all either benefited from that or we stand in need of that. If you have not experienced the forgiveness of your sins, the redemption of Jesus Christ, and know the joy of God extending to you a second chance of salvation in your life, there's no way that you can be an encourager. You don't, you're not equipped for that. But I want you to know, this morning, you have the opportunity to faith in Christ because of what Christ did on it, mine and your behalf on the cross of Calvary. The gospel that was preached there in Antioch, that the mighty hand of God moved and many were saved. That power of the Spirit is present and is working and drawing you to faith in Christ. I invite you to that this morning, to know Christ as your Savior and Lord, to know the joy, the forgiveness of having God extend to you your second chance. Because every one of us is a failure because we are sinful. We are cursed with the curse of sin and we all stand in need of redemption. For those of us who that is a reality and we've experienced that forgiveness, then we too, we should be the quickest. We should be those who obey His command to encourage others, to extend second chances, to speak on behalf of one another, to be an advocate for one another, to follow the example that we see in the life of Barnabas, who was, as his name says, the son of encouragement. Please stand as we pray.